the very roots of eating, of negativity and singularity, including the ultimate form of singularity, which is This is the typical violence of information. It's violent because what happens there is a murder of the real, the vanishing point of reality. Let's not have a misunderstanding here. Thank you for joining us on Machinic Unconscious Happy Hour. I am your host, Cooper Cherry. As always, we are sponsored by the People's Institute for Revolutionary Semiotics. Today's guest is Taylor Atkins. Taylor has been on the show numerous times. He's translated works from Francois Laruelle, Felix Guattari, and uh, Gilbert Simondon. And this is a very off-the-cuff discussion that covers a lot of ground. We're talking about Sterner. We're talking about wrestling. We're talking about uh, riffraff. We're talking about Hegel. <laughs> we're talking about Deleuze. So it should be a fun and uh, different episode. But uh, here's Taylor and I. Yeah, um, it's a good layout. Like it's, I yeah. like it. I don't know. Well, I'm pulling all this shit from. His name is Axel Cherniovsky. He's Argentinian, so French is actually his second language. English is. His third or maybe his fourth, if he knows German, fuck, I'd have to ask him. And he published this book called Concept A Method, right? Which is being translated as like Deleuze's conception of philosophy or something like that. Some, some, they have to put Deleuze in the primary title, not in the secondary title. Because the secondary title to the original French is, you know, Deleuze and the creation of concepts. But anyway, that's like, I've already told you about that bit, but I'm pulling all of this from his work and he's spending a lot of time in uh, in the last book that they wrote together that Deleuze and Guattari wrote together the what is philosophy book and he's uh you know he's doing a he's doing a really interesting job I mean I got the the Burke's own quote from him which he actually paraphrases so that's like not a direct I can't cite where that saying is from which is why I thought it was perfect because everything else is fucking cited and like dated and you know he's I'm 20,000 words into the first chapter I've already done the introduction which I'll leave aside but in the first chapter with 20,000 words it's I've hit 200 footnotes so you know every thousand words is a footnote which doesn't seem like a lot but it comes out to like or sorry every hundred words whatever you know what i mean yeah um math <laughs> so yeah every that actually sounds better every hundred words there's a footnote which as a translator <laughs> that it, <laughs> seems like a lot yeah no it just it's hard to keep a flow because you have to say okay he's thanks for the french pagination of what is philosophy here let, let me look at my shitty pdf partially OCR, so control effing for, you know, what you think the translation might be, or like keywords, you know, and you're searching through, you'll miss, you'll miss a lot, at least in PDF that I have, or in certain PDFs. So you're like, you're tracking on all of these different solos. And then I've decided to put that forefront instead of like doing that at the back end, I may change that, but I just, it'll be a slog if I'm just looking, if I'm doing nothing but finding the correct translation and page number for each citation. If I do that at the end, I think it'll be, it'll just be like drudgery or whatever. But anyway, yeah, so I got the Foucault quote from Chernyovsky's book as well. The, I mean, he's saying this in 1970. Oh, look at that pillow. So what we see here, listeners, is the book cover for the ergonomic, the ergonomic edition of Nick Land's Fang Numina, right? This is a kind of kaleidoscopic cataclysm on the, but it's a pillow. It's a big, that's a pretty big pillow, right? That's, that's not a throw pillow. Yeah, it's like a little throw it's style may, pillow. Maybe it's a medium sized throw pillow. It's not like tiny. So that's cool. You could actually put your head on it and it would cradle it instead of, you know, vice versa. So Coop, tell me something about Sterner. I don't know. Or Sterner. <laughs> Or just tell me something interesting. Just tell me something, throw something out there for me that would be bait. 
I want to be reeled in. I don't know. He's talking about notions of like property and a unique right. experience. And I'm thinking he means kind of like from a phenomenological perspective, your experience of the world is it, it makes you that right. whatever eye that is crafted by whatever. Would you say singularity is. if the eye? Yeah, I think you could. Yeah, you could. Or a constellation of singularities or, you know, yeah, something like that. I think that. a singularity is a good way to, uh, to look at it. That's what uh, like Saul Newman who like has written pretty extensively on, on exactly that. And I think he even used the term singularity in that context of like a radical uh, ontological anarchism. So is, would singularity be like a Latinate translation of Einziger or I mean, is that more of a, is that more like a Laurelian like oneness, right? Like a, a one without being or something like that, right? Like you were talking about property and I'm thinking of. Well, you also, I think yeah. the important to, contextualize him in, in in terms of Hegel because like I think me- methodologically he oftentimes is coming from the position of Hegel and using Hegel's argumentation and right. like the the negative the negativity the sometimes lack all, yeah. I mean I think the lack kind of Lacan sort of similar kind of he makes those same kind of like smart alecky moves that Lacan would do yeah yeah I mean I, I think setting I traps have... for you you know what I mean like in a sort of leads you he leads you this way and then he does a head fake right or crosses you up some misdirection i think i mean is that what is that the meaning of your part of your name the young hegelians right so you have in your you know which changes but you have like the spelling of the y with the it's the alternate y right so it's like the I mean, it's a different character, right? It's got the lines through it, so it doesn't oh, I did, a, I, a currency, but you I spell it young. A, I was young Lacanian, but I changed it to... Uh, I know you have, but that's... We never <laughs> talked about it, right? So the young, I wonder if that is an homage to, to Sterner, right? Like the, he's oh. he's both in the young Hegelians, but it's like at the avant-garde of them, and in yeah. some senses sometimes is like grouped pretty, with them, but not in like, you know what I mean? Yeah. In I the mean, standard history I, philosophy, whatever that is, you know. I'm absolutely thinking on that level at all times yes if that's what you're asking yes right right so i guess was that a conscious thing or was that just like a a coincidence was that a play off of carl gustav jung or it was just more like or like a rapper name yeah more like young thug mm-hmm, wait right young thug yeah for sure young thug i mean there's other rappers with the young but young thug like, is like the most he's the one that is the most like that influenced you yeah oh he's Gotcha. He's fantastic. He's like, you should check him out. He's an interesting dude. Well, I'm going to have to. I mean, I mean, he's just, from, he's from Atlanta. Material. He's from Atlanta. Well, that's cool. Well, am I wrong that there was like in the 2000s, a young Jeezy? Yeah, I believe like, so. He was big. The reason why I know young Jeezy is because when I was teaching high school, English high school, ninth and 10th grade English, that was what the kids were listening to. So this was fucking 2005, 2000, something like that. Anyway, just placing the other young rappers that I know. But yeah, so what is your young hand? star? Young star, who I do enjoy, and I was actually just listening yeah. to like there's a track called "Down South" by Mr. Mad with Mr. Young Mad. Star, where he just I think is the epitome of the Houston sound. Just like he, it's just <sighs> perfect. It's so good, right? And he spells Young Star. It's Y U N G. Okay, S-K-R. so there you go. So that's that's another influence. We're From like. It's We're so like many unpacking the semiotic layers yeah. of your There's, old like handle. Little, what is that shit called? The like dessert, the Italian dessert. It's kind of like a cake. You the Italian dessert. With, that's a cake. Uh, you would have it with coffee. You know what I mean? Um, Hold on. Kind of like the layers. Is that tiramisu? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I was going to ask my like wife because she would know that, but my wife's like over here. She's she's being quiet, but I told her she could she could yell if uh, <laughs> I told her to treat this like a uh, a wrestling pay per view that I like watch with my friend. <laughs> and she's laughing now because I was going to think of another. There's a wrestling team named the Young Bucks, and they're they're not necessarily young anymore. One of them's kind of <laughs> balding, and they're in AEW, which is supposedly Vince McMahon's uh, competition. But you know, I, I mean, it's because it's got a backer of almost infinite wealth. To a certain extent, but it's it's not good. It's not good. Here's here's something for you: is that uh, my roommate was watching, and I watched uh, Spring Breakers the other day, and I believe Jeff Jarrett plays a fucking my God. minister, dude. Well, we're really wait. Yeah. So this was like a movie, or yeah, it's that Corinne Harmony Corinne Carini. 
Oh my god! If Jeff Jarrett makes a fucking cameo in some I'm pretty B sure movie, I'll one, fucking love. Is it a B movie or is it not? The yeah. guy that made kids. B plus, A minus. He, he made kids and you know a couple other types. Okay. I mean, he's like a, an experimental kind of underground type guy. Yes, essentially, that's his vibe. I guess we were wa- we, we we just but watched. But it's an absurdity, man. It's got fucking what's his name? Um, but it's not, it's not the wrestler, is it? Do you know who Riff Raff is? <sighs> No, I couldn't. I couldn't point him out a lot. He's like this white white guy that he like act. He acts black like authentic. Like that's his. He's okay. Like vernacular. He, that's his gimmick. Yes, that's his gimmick. Or is that? Or is that more or less? I'm not saying he's a poser. But I mean, he. I, I mean, I've he, known. I've had friends like that. I've had, yes. You know what I mean? You yeah probably have. It's basically a, a bit that he lives. He lives okay. his bit. Uh, essentially, is what his. The question if the bit like career is built upon is like just right living his bit and like he made it happen he's hyperstition that shit right. <laughs> i mean it's it's interesting in and this literally did it. yeah he just made himself he made himself relevant <laughs> somehow you know there's a there's a almost a joke when Dulles and Guattari and what is philosophy say that like mimicry is the it exemplifies the work of art because obviously yes mimicry that that, i mean mimicry not in in a simple iterative or repetitive sense in the sense of art forms because we know in the scale of art no matter where we place art miming is like pretty much one of the lowest visually at least right babe i'm asking you miming oh yeah it's like pretty it's always that's the joke right it's the lowest bar and regular clowns and mimes, you have to like ask the, it would depend on whatever, it would fluctuate. They make it that it's the concept in the event and like the concept mimes the event and thereby like gives the virtual consistency right through events. So by extracting and sort of releasing the vapor of events from states of affairs, they can like tap into this like almost alchemical power but miming is is like the so height of art what, because it's this is what because it's what the concept does is, yeah i mean it's, it's that that's somehow why surfed yeah. onto the flows and just like he surfed the wave and somehow did it i'll be damned but yeah i mean heidegger would talk about it in terms of authenticity and i think it's part of that discourse of authenticity that deleuze tries to like end his work with when he writes eminence of life and you know it definitely crowns his philosophy as kind of it's this vitalist whole but it's because i think i told you this we may have said this last time where i was moved very much by nietzsche saying that it's the philosopher's life that's like this example and this crystallization of philosophy's power and i think he is reflecting on socrates to a point but also what socrates could have been above and beyond this martyrdom to athens so there's that that kind of tension of I guess that's what I'm asking you. Do you think it's a bit like, do you think he's really, there's like some kayfabe shit and he's just got like a Yankee accent or in real life, like naturally, quote unquote, when he's off the, off the beat, or is it just that that's who he's always been? Or is it, that's his becoming and he's just living that? I mean, maybe all the above, right? I mean, I think there is at least some level of authenticity at some degree. I, you know, it'd be difficult to like, to some degree, I think, yeah, I've known another person who grew up in the same city. I guess it'd be like me asking you if, if you're, posts were a bit right yes yeah, yeah exactly precisely because yes yeah. I, i'm playing a character to some degree yeah right and so i think that it's it's interesting that and to my own hesitation and precipitation i think about like my twitter being like a bit but not right so i'm always like it depends on the time of day or like the flow of whatever it is where i'm like i'm always quasi serious but i'm i'm not just i don't know it's interesting we cultivate our own like shit posts in different ways right it's sometimes i just i just try to say like oh fuck i had that post earlier about about art art was sorted out and i just that's a nietzschean affirmation right that the world is justified aesthetically and that's the and Guattari when they talk about art conserving and conserving itself as exhibiting the virtual and the actual right and so like taking part in this infinite variation of becoming and that that's it's precisely not like achilles is it's not achilles is just like the vessel the state of affairs of the iliad and the search for immortality that the artist actually effectuates i mean the artist there is it's not even homer the man right it's it's this whole collective assemblage of aggression states and they're 
historical commerce with other populaces. So it's this whole, the unconscious is mapped by races and populations, as Auntie Oedipus says, and that's also why, you know, we have someone like Nick Land who's working out the mappings and tracings in his own creative way. So here's an entry point. Deleuze refers to Stirner in um, uh, the Nietzsche book. The Nietzsche book. Oh, okay. Nietzschean philosophy, which is yes. so blandly titled, so inoffensively titled. I believe. Um, is that? So while we're talking about this, before we talk this, so what's a f- either a funny post or like a funny like like gimmick booking for Taylor Chadkins? And is it <laughs> is, is that not appropriate? Like, is that not like a, is that a miss or a hit or, what are, I don't know. That, is that even, is that even funny? Like Taylor? I mean, Chatkins? yes, I think it's, yeah, I think it's funny. Yeah, it's All funny. Right. All right. Well, I have a certain, you know, playfulness about my own self. Yeah. I just wonder if it's even you know like I mean? worth um, making, making a joke about. I mean, so I think your demeanor is such that people understand that you're just making a joke. I don't know. Can you still hear me? But whatever. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Just make sure. So I see where you have highlighted. Avatars of the dialectic. Right. With the art of the sophist, which is what Nietzsche would have wanted. He's a philologist. Which one? The conceptual question, what is man? Has Who been is changed man? Right. personally. With I mean, this, the concept was sought for in order to realize it with who it is no longer any question, any question at all. Right. But the answer is personally on hand at once in the, in the asker. Is it the fatal leap? The saltus mortalis? The mortal leap? What is it? The jump of death? The leap of death? <laughs> That's a didn't have a footnote. Oh, you bastards! Making us look shit up. Deadly jump. The deadly jump. The mortal jump. I mean, it mortal is it lit- cooler. Well, I said the fatal leap. That's how I first translated oh, it, right? I mean, I just it's mortalis. I wonder if it's of death. But anyway, that's cool. The saltus mortalis, right? This sounds very much like Larwell. This shit about man and God and the one. And imminence, all of this. Yeah, Scherner and Laura Well is like a thing. And God, I mean, it's it's easy to think about how, like, if you brought the Scherner and I brought the Laura Well, we would have like an essay at least, if not more, or, you know, like a series of podcasts. And I could, I mean, whatever it is. Who, that would who, be pretty who, However sure. people promulgate <laughs> their ideas these days. I mean, published essays, God, that's the thing. I mean, I've always been about against that with my translations, just to jump on my like virtue signaling soapbox, right? Where I just, I told you this last time, the bootleg seminars of Lacan was like always a big, because I knew about the, the background of his son-in-law, Jacqueline Miller, who's like, and I'm not pronouncing his name in a French way. I don't, you know, whatever, who cares? But yeah, Jam, we'll call him for short. He like literally jammed the actual official translations of his seminars. So yeah, I mean, somebody fucking bootlegged him and that's like a work of art, but a work of scholarship and a work of dissemination and all the little come posts that you could attach to that. So, uh, so that's cool that there's this aside. I've forgotten about this. So yeah, one of the things that I was doing with the Chernyowski book with all the different quotes I have to pull from so many different Deleuze sources, sometimes I have to modify the translation to follow the thread of the argumentation of of the author, he begins by make, he begins with like Deleuze and Bergson and really pushes this line where Deleuze inherits the notion of spirit as the virtual, as event, as concept. And in some of Deleuze's works, some of, of Bergson's works, l'esprit or even the, you know, spirituel, the adjective gets translated as mental or mind, which is fine. Sometimes. I mean, that's a whole discrepancy in the French, right? That the word for mind and spirit is, is l'esprit to begin with, and that there's this slippage, but you see it in German Geist too, right? You see it in, is it phenomenology of spirit? Is it phenomenology of mind? So, you know, there's that book. That's the... Although, if you and I started a, a thing about what is philosophy, I mean, that would be fucking cool. There's some cool diagrams in there, shorter chapters. You got the... Uh, Motherfucking difference in repetition just popped up. Oh shit! What? I, so, what a Sterner. Cover. I think shit. I like the I like the original Columbia. Oh, it's not even it's not even original because they took it from Athlone. But if Sterner is in this. That'd be fantastic. The Larwell and Sterner thing is like obvious. I think Deleuze 
would just be like a fun way to like bridge them in. And then you could bring in obviously like Nietzsche from behind. This is another super huge book that just needs working through a different repetition. I mean, there are books on how to read it and stuff, but it's... I want to um, put the little like character, um, like, I don't know, I want to put this painting. Oh, yeah. Lady, is it Lady Liberty? From the French Revolution, sort of. It's painting. Sorry, you can't see. Yes. Okay, I see. Yeah. Some tits. I love it. I think the guy with the mutton chops and the top hat is uh, Wolverine. French Revolution. <laughs> have you oh, seen... God, the Wikipedia page pulls up. That's funny. But have you, have you seen uh, Les Miserables? The I have new... not. Oh, dude. We should do a watch along of Les Mis. And I could just like... We could just talk while... So this is De La Croix... Mm-hmm. Delacroix. Delacroix. If we want to be pretentious. La Liberté. Or that we say Delacroix. People. If we want to be uh, American. Um, there's a great. There's a great painting of. By uh, fuck. I like the rap. Jacques, it's Medusa. by. Reminds it's, me of this. It's by. Bit. It's by Jacques Louis David, and it's um, about Mar- the death of Marat. Just look up the death of Marat. M U R A T. Yeah, I got you. I think and I um, you probably know of this. So this is where. Oh, it's in. What's his name? The great American Marxist historian. I'm gonna leave it aside. Just forgive me. Um, he says this is like the advent of a kind of postmodern art he doesn't call it postmodern but he he wants to say this is like a this is like a push towards the pushing the modern in a kind of grammatological sense writing is necessary for the interpretation of the painting where it's you see at the bottom marat and he's like writing he's got the little pen in his hand and he's got the letter he signed which tells a story about his role and sort of the events of the French Revolution and uh, that this the writing makes this eruption in the painting and forces us to read when traditionally we had, you know, merely seen. And so this equivalence of the of the of writing and of the written and the scene causes this mutation in art. Um, it's, you know, it's obviously like academic and like super pedantic and shit, but it's kind of interesting. Just this is where like a Deridian would go like, oh, yeah. fucking shit. And yeah. like, would, like <laughs> exactly, freak yeah. out and like, oh, and then like come all over themselves. I'm like, yeah, I see like writing and image. And I think that like Deleuze and Guattari would probably, you know, this is not one of their go-tos, but that's okay. I mean, we all have our proclivities, but you could you could couch this in a Deleuze Guattarian manner and say that you know I mean for Guattari yeah you could you could say there's this faciality of the you know there's there's all this shit there's the index and there's the there's the icon and blah 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 he would eat it up too just in his own way he wouldn't he wouldn't say it in a Deridian way but they might come to like I could see them having a beer and like fucking. You're like, oh, that's some cool shit. You know, I, I really do think Deridians and Guatrians, there are none of them, but, you know, those privy to Guatri and Deleuze, but, you know, as long as they don't call themselves Deleuzeans, they're okay, right? You know, that's my, I, you're not a Sternarian, right? Are you, no. You know? Although I do like the word Kafkaesque, but that's just an exception, right? It's, you know, <laughs> it's the esque more than the Kafka. I'm sorry, Pache, Pache Franz. It's, so, in French, you know, prop is own, right? So, like, to a certain extent, property has to deal with one's ownness. And I, what one owns, so I just wonder about the ego and its own as the initial translation. There is something resonant there. So if I'm going to devil devil's advocate without really knowing shit about the subject, I'm just going to push back that maybe the original title is, um, is okay. Besides the ego, that's where I would break down. It's like the ego is not the word to use. It's the same with Strachey. Like, why call Dasi, you know, the ego? It's like, you don't have to make German into Latin. This passage is relevant if you want to get a so, sort of a morsel. A unique in this property. 
Underworld Amusements 2007. I like the publishing house, if that's their if that's their real name, Underworld Amusements. Yeah, this question about this tension between being free and willing oneself to be free. I mean, that's already an echo that Heidegger, does, I don't know if Heidegger ever talks about Schoener, but you know, this question of Gevorfenheit and thrownness being thrown in the world, that's obviously something that Schoener's already, what is it, 46? What's the year? 18? Yeah, I think. I think 40 so. something? Between 44 or 40, 46, somewhere in there. Right, right. I mean, the publishing date, ladies and gentlemen, the publishing date, let's just remember that there's like a whole inchoate formative time <laughs> beforehand, which is why you can like think of difference of repetition as this like resonance uh, of all these monographs he's written in the 50s and 60s leading up to it, all, all of Deleuze's, you know, from Hume to Spinoza, minimalist and to a good degree. Right, it's it's like an eclipse, right? It sort of captures the concept of of the unique, or the I don't know the now is the creative unique, nothing, creative nothing, perhaps I don't know. Is, is the unique the is it das der die Einzige? What is der, it? Der Einzige. Der Einzige. Okay. I mean, we can probably control if that. Or you could look down. It's probably look to the title page, the next page. You. I think it would be kind of funny to... Look at his introduction. I bet it's there. And it'll, he'll probably say, the reason why I just translated this title differently, he went his own, Der Einzige und Sein Agentum. I gained them. I, I can't, I'm not good at German. I mean, I, as a Larwell, I'd be like, the one <laughs> and the one, and it's non-one. Because he talks Ooh, about the non-one. Huh. Yeah, the, the like non-one is... I mean, obviously, it's about right. the clone. It's all the clones, right? So, like, you know, we as individuals attack the clones. Well, I mean, it doesn't be an attack. It can be <laughs> a coordination, which can be an attack. So, you know, the one is indifferent to its clones, its descriptions, right? So, like, we all participate in the wave, and the it's like a superposition of waves where the, yeah. the one is not a totalizing wave, but it's the imminent, idempotent fluctuation of the wave. And we're just, we amplify it as clones. And so we are one real. And it, I think it answers the question of made in the image of God by emptying God of any ontological content and thereby like humans are real. We are all generic in the sense of sharing in the one. And it's only through philosophy that we get bewitched into believing ourselves to be these little corpuscles that are apart <laughs> from the wave. So yeah, I mean, Scherner would, I, I think again, I think that like, but, but, it, but it would be this negotiation of like Scherner has a kind of absolute or relative individualism. And I think for, for for Larwell, it's 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 a question of like working through quantum mechanics or at least some certain principles of quantum mechanics to like maybe correct Stirner's ontology and thereby we could say something about the differing politics because I don't know if Larwell is an anarchist or not. If he is, we have to like bracket everything like an RK and ist and like understand them in totally like specific ways. So it becomes this whole like drama of signifiers and, and, and just a bore. So you have to like keep it fresh. And uh, I think Sterner does help do that where, you know, Larwell maybe, I think for many like first time readers, I got a few emails. Why doesn't Larwell talk about life? Right? Which is what people want to hear about, right? They I want to be out there fucking and whatever. I'm reading this book. Tell me about life. What's out there? <laughs> you know, and Larwell's not talking about the life of individuals unless they be individual philosophies. And then he's talking about the life of individual philosophies. And then it's already like an analogy and a metaphor and has nothing to do with our own like libidinal, like, ah, you know, living in the world. It's not telling us like, hey, be, be Zen and forget your suffering or like, God, fuck everything or like blow everything up. It's not, Larwell's not saying that. He's, he's telling us here, here's how philosophy has already infiltrated all of our discourses all of our modes of thinking and we have to be vigilant. It has to resonate with like anti-Oedipus machinery conscious a thousand plateaus, which is always telling us like, look, you may think you're like the best person and like the most, like I love everybody and all this shit, but like fascism politics starts at home. Like, fascism starts at home, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's why you have to start with Oedipus and dismantle Oedipus and then show that the homegrown rather than astroturf 
fascism that we attribute to capitalism actually was already insidiously like interwoven through the like triangular edibilization of families. And so it's not about abolishing families. It's about imagining families and like other modes that don't necessarily accord with capitalistic ways of being. And just at the moment, the, you can't just idea that you can't just like theoretically say like, Oh, well, what if we go back to matriarchies and like swap kids and all this stuff? Like it's not enough to just like, that's not how change happens within this system. We already have to be imagining different regimes of signs and pushing signs towards that regime. And as individuals, we always fall short, right? That's like, you know, that's like fucking original sin, but it's not about some kind of redemption in some other world. It's more, you know, it's this Nietzschean insistence upon like willing the eternal return of what we do, right? I mean, in Deleuze's first book on Hume, he's saying philosophy is the theory of what we do, what we're doing. And I think that, you know, maybe Sterner says something in a way that's less theoretically like nuanced and more like slapping us in the face and just trying to lure us in. Because that's, that's the question, right? Like, I find Sterner to be very enticing, same way that Nietzsche is, right? So when he says mine is the name of the first self-discovery, I wonder if that's Geist, right? I mean, that's, can you imagine that sentence the same way, spirit is the name of the first self-discovery? Yeah, <laughs> sounds like Hegel, for sure. Anyway, I mean, this could literally be a direct reference to Hegel, of course, just because that's the audience for the for the writing, essentially, is the other young Hegelians. This is where it gets, where you, you wish the word were just the German, right? Instead of mind or spirit it's it's just guys where it's god what was the worst i mean savoir connaissance that's another one where i just want to keep it in french but it has its own like german you know roots and then like greek roots trebe that's one instead of it being driver instinct just just be tree because the Germans have a word for instinct. But now there's this language of spirit, but if the spirit is recognized as the essential thing, it still makes a difference whether the spirit is poor or rich. Therefore, one tries to become rich in spirit, which is the Beatitudes, right? The Sermons on the Mount, blessed are the rich in spirit. And the spirit wants to spread out to found its empire, an empire not of this world. The world just vanquished longs to be all in all itself. In other words, although I am spirit, I am not yet perfectly spirit and must strive for the perfect spirit. See, this is the dialectic between the the actual and the virtual, right? The, this is chaos as the non-constituted actual, right? It's the self-producing actual without the constitution ah, of the virtual. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so this is there. this is where the this is where that that quote for Littlefinger, right, about yeah. chaos, Which, right, not lacking determination, right. That was so good. So my whole point being this thread that I'm I'm weaving, what I'm trying to weave through this thread of memes and shit is the thread of argumentation of Chernyovsky's book on Deleuze. And, um, you know, part of why I have to, you know, the, the text he cites the most, at least in this early part, is what is philosophy. And I'm having to modify the translations a good deal. It's not a bad translation. It's merely that certain activities are rendered in English. When you translate a Spanish or French reflexive, you have to choose between passive or intransitive or reflexive, right? Which, you know, it's, it's tough because in those romantic languages, you, you see them all at the same time. And so a lot of the translation modifieds I've had to do have been where it's the event Either the event is incarnated and actualized uh, in the states of affairs, which is passive translation, which is what the translators do, or the event incarnates itself, actualizes itself, it effectuates itself. So do you make it active, reflexive, or do you make it, do you make it intransitive? And so I, I, I know it's a small thing. I know it's like a, in a, to a certain extent, it's like a... It's like a thing that doesn't matter, but it's it's a small thing that's not said that I think matters indefinitely. It's the whole point, I think, is using the reflexive. There is no passive and active. The whole actualizes itself, effectuates itself, whatever. That choice of reflexive in French is not meant to negate. It's not meant to imply either active activity or passivity. So it's, it's better to, to err on the other side. Sterner doing some Hegelian dialectical shit. Spiritual world, yeah. See, this is, look at, I mean, I do think that, like, that 
even that phrase spiritual world would get lost on modern day readers. I think that without like a nice fat footnote, and there probably is one, I assume. Um, and this is my own worries, but I do think that like it's easy to say in common parlance if you ask the, the any person on the street what the spiritual world was, they would think you're crazy, right? They would think you're talking about ghosts or something. They would think you're talking about angels, demons, God appearing in the midst of things. But the way Hegel says it, the way that young Hegelians would understand it, it's it's geist, right? It's geistige, it's whatever. It's it's that which partakes in spirit, which is objective, not subjective. That's not. I mean, it's the movement of difference, you know, if you want to fucking call it that, right? It's Hegel defines time as a movement of abstract negativity, right? It's like, if you understand it that way, then yeah, spiritual has a totally different meaning, but that's not what you're going to hear from like 90 fucking 5% of the people on the on the street. So why does someone like Sterner or someone like Bergson, someone like Deleuze still like cling to it? I mean, is it is it one that one last religious investment or is <laughs> or can concepts be deterritorialized from there? And, you know, I mean, like for a new philosophy, I mean, these words, they have to change. They don't speak to the people anymore. It's not that concepts have to change their on their on their plane of eminence. They still you know, give consistency to the virtual, but they, they need to like be collapsible and, and moldable. So this is my like stupid critique of, you know, Deleuze and Bergson and all these other people. Yeah, we still have the word spirit, but it, it's never meant what philosophy has tried to make it mean since Hegel, since even the Greeks with Suke. Right? It's just, this is not Pache, Spinoza and everybody else. I wonder if Epicurus has some of the same kind of shit as Sterner. Or it's almost like a Stoic kind of, not quite, yeah. I don't, that's a bit extreme, but you know, know. Epicurus, Nietzsche, I think, potentially. For you Sterner. know, Nietzsche loved it. I mean, that, I, w- I, would call him, <laughs> I, would, I would call him Epicurus, but I'm just like being <laughs> Epicurus, Epicurus. I can, I can say either. It's the both. You know, he, Nietzsche, I forget where he says it, but he talks about Epicurus on suffering and seeing in the reflection of the sunshine on the see this epic calmness and he's just like dude Epicurus must have been like suffering so fucking much to have this not just have this little thought but to like want to pass it down to posterity and that Nietzsche really uh, I mean he really empathized with that I mean due to his own injuries and his you know bouts with long periods of illness and convalescence and and all this so sterner died young didn't he so did he what the fuck's up with did he like or did he just not publish much my he he died of a bug bite no yes uh, no like was he was he searching egyptian tombs he died of a bug bite he died of a bug bite man isn't that the curse of tutankhamen Yes, it was 50 years old. 50. I mean, 19th century, early, early 19th, early to middle. Yeah, so 50s, it's not, I mean, Nietzsche fucking, you know, he went to a coma and lived another 10 years, so died at 50. Nietzsche lived at 54, which is crazy if you think that he wrote his last works, he like flurried in his 40s and just wrote nonstop. What do you think? Are you more of a, I'm more of a Nietzsche stan. I see that you're more of a Sterner stan. I mean, Sterner stan. I like them both, you know. I have something funny. I think I forgot to mention this. There's an episode of The Sopranos where Dr. Melfi mentions Bruce's book to Tony talks about him eating the Madeline cookie oh, having the okay. remembrance. I for, that, that's, that's an actual scene in The Sopranos? Yes, that's an actual scene in The no. Sopranos. Yes, yes, yes. Fucking yeah, yes. Is that in the first season? Uh, I will search for it. Because I know my wife the Sopranos, would watch The Sopranos with me. Yeah, she's, she's, the Sopranos, um, Proust reference. Apparently there's a Proust reference. Fortunate wife, Son, the 29th episode, third of the show's the third, third season. season. Okay, third season. Hell yeah. Do you like West Wing or Next Gen? I've never seen West Wing, but I do fuck with Next Generation. I've been watching that a lot lately. Hell yeah. Fall asleep to that shit. Hell, okay. Yeah. I just put them on and like, I need like background noise when I'm working and stuff. So I throw those on. Have you ever listened to Jim Cornette's podcast? You know who Jim Cornette is? You do. You're laughing. Yeah, the fucking hype man. He was a hype man. I mean, I wouldn't have... Manager. So he was a manager, but he also booked several different... He booked two different territories while playing a manager in like WCW, 
WWE, his own promotions. Tennis and racket, right? He's been an announcer as well, and he was a he started taking by taking pictures at ringside. I mean, he's done everything for forty years or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I just like his his joie de vivre, right? His like he he has a certain intensity and just like a certain depth of knowledge about wrestling that I only wish I had about certain topics. Or that I, like, pretend to have about certain topics, you know what I mean? So it's like this, I like wrestling, but I don't like to watch it anymore, right? So this is the podcast for me because he's, a lot of the times he'll review the most recent product from, like, the top two American companies. And it's just like, yeah, that sounds like it was garbage. And then, like, the big events or, like, sometimes the pay-per-views, I'll watch with my friend and we'll just, he gets all quiet. I try to, like, get into it or make fun of it because it's either good or bad. And if it's bad, you might as well make fun of it. You know what I mean? You might as well, or take a piss break and go do your toenails. Wrestling's a weird thing, right? Because wrestling in the 30s, the New York Times, maybe not the New York Times, but the New York newspapers came out with the story that wrestling was rigged and it was fake and they ran that story a lot and they never let the population forget about it. So Madison Square Garden would never have like big book matches until the 50s. And it was only with San Martino and some other, it had to be like Italian or Hispanic, like ethnic wrestlers, baby faces, right? The good guys. And that's what brought wrestling back. And the whole phenomenon was that like, even though, for 20 years, all the English-speaking newspapers have been saying wrestling's fake. You know, those newspapers maybe weren't necessarily, like, the same medium in which those ethnic groups, like, participated. So until, like, the 70s, leading up to, you know, Hogan, whatever, it was always a an ethnic world champion or WWF, you know, heavyweight champion. So even just like hearing shit about that, like that's fucking fascinating. And like sociologists and like psychologists and fucking metaphysicians, right? Like Quattro would make like a fucking little diagram of New York City in wrestling <laughs> and, and like the ethnic baby face, right? And you see that too in like different regions, right? Like in the Southwest, like in Louisiana, it was a black baby face, you know, in Memphis with Jerry Lawler or like North Carolina with Ric Flair, right? It's like you had different and Dusty Rhodes, you know, you just, you think about the different territories and they each had not just like visiting, not just the visiting like NWA champion, like Ric Flair for the longest time, you know what I mean? But like their own territories champion. And then you have like all kinds of different, you know, heels or competition to like size them up and uh it's, it's the point being you hear about that shit and you look now and it's all homogenized right it's it's different it's um the wwe winning even if it spritz into <laughs> a mi- like a million brands until it can just get back to the basics it's, it's, i mean before you even worry about stories and like doing the Vince Russo thing where you're looking at Jerry Springer and the latest like craze, the latest, you know, controversy. Instead of doing all that shit, just get back to basics. Just put on good matches, reduce the fucking time length instead of making every match 20 minutes and false finishes. Just like get some basic matches done and really simplify the weekly shows at least. And then in the monthly shows, you can... You can boost off of that. You don't have to, don't make every show a throwaway. Don't make every show a fucking 30 minute draw. Just forget about doing sensationalism. Like if it sinks, good. Then the art form's outlived. What is the next art form for perform violence? It's the UFC, which if you think about it, and I'm going to get conspiratorial here (laughs) and get like Sterner-esque. Yeah, the UFC could be fucking worked. Just like boxing was. I mean, they do shit like Brock Lesnar comes back and he fights that match. And then it's shown that he's like not past their drug policy. But that's not what I really am talking about. I mean, that's one thing that's still that almost like heightens the notion that it's a shoot, that it's real. You know, if the UFC, I mean, and funnily enough, Shane McMahon could have bought the UFC in a decade and a half ago. But that didn't go through probably because of Vince. And now it's arguably more profitable or at least as profitable probably more but but it's taken as totally legitimate right like all these fighters 
Bellator, all the UFC fighters. It's it's all watched as like these are athletes, these are gladiators. They're you know fighting off in honor and glory and whatever the fuck. Right? Am I wrong with yeah. rules and regulations <laughs> and everything's a bug? Every, everything. everything is a mirage. Ultimately, yes, it's no different there. Yeah, I I don't know. I think that one thing one thing that makes me question it is you had like someone like CM Punk who could have maybe led to like a huge blow off, but this is why you can't have someone like CM Punk wrestling in UFC. Well, first of all, he failed out. Good for him. I say good for him because you can't mix the two, right? You can't mix the medium of obviously everyone knows wrestling is a gimmick, but there's reality to it in the virtual state, whatever. But UFC is supposed to be two guys trying to fucking kill each other, respectively kill each other to the degree that they win the match. (laughs) anyway so it's this this question of UFC being worked or not isn't casting doubt on them as athletes just as wrestling I mean wrestlers have said they have their own athletic competence which we can't judge to any other you know physical art right I mean ballerinas have their own yeah dimension of this is why you know, Black Swan and the Wrestler by Aronofsky. My wife's a big fan over here. She's she's hearing me. I'm shouting out to her. But there's there's a link. There's almost it's not sequel or prequel. It's like they're happening at the same time. You know, the the wrestler and the the ballerina and this fight against the loss of youth. This need to stay relevant, pushing the spectacle to different heights. I mean, That's all of that. Ultimate all, height shit. I mean, all of that's involved in art, but all of it's materially grounded, like, right? You see the we, we Aronofsky really tries to point at all the these physical, bodily, visceral signifiers that tell the story more so than any meta narrative or narrator could. But I think that's maybe the Sterner thing, right? That's the ownness, right? That's the or what the that's the property. That's our property. Once she realized herself, she died. Right. That's right. Game spirit. <laughs> that's right. She became spirit. That's that's a beautiful way to put it. I mean, I I totally applaud you. And that's how the wrestler ends, right? The the final called a frog splash. It wasn't a frog splash. It was a you know just a splash off the top rope. And that's how the film ends because it's like, oh, if you do this again, you're gonna die. Thanks for telling us that. All that solid melts into air, right? That's I could see Sterner playing with this this question, this realm of spirit, and it's relation to matter i mean this is why we have to read what is philosophy i do think that they would retell this story uh in their own way because i see this thread this question of the of the event of the states of affair of the concept of well i mean for those about to right it's concept of philosophy yeah. look at this we got body without organs right here what Huh? Well, that's the smile without a body, or that's the smile without a cat. That's not the body without organs, but I the. <laughs> no, nah, that's great. Not to lose likes to talk about the event as the the smile without a cat. It's the the Cheshire cat, right? It's the Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass. Yeah, I mean, gosh, the Sterner stuff is interesting. I think that Deleuze wants to, and Guattari in his own way, they want to push this question of I want to. It's like imminent multiplicity, and you have to do that type rope. What do you What do you think about this? Do you Do you find it? Is this Is this performative? Is this the self quoting? What is this? Is this a book on? No, this is Nietzschean philosophy. Yeah, it's Nietzschean philosophy. Okay, you switched it up a little. Starter gets engaged with a little bit by Deleuze and Derrida, and I think that's kind of somewhat relevant because like he is sort of overlooked a lot so okay so this is i think it's pretty interesting this next part highlight the next part the the interest that whole sentence a profound analysis of the inefficiency of the reappropriations of his predecessors the discovery of the essential relation Mm -hmm. between the dialectic and the theory of the ego the ego alone being the reappropriating instance of profound vision of what the outcome of the dialectic was with the ego in the ego. This is interesting. History in general, and Hegelianism in particular, found their outcome, but also their most complete dissolution and a triumphant nihilism. 
dialectic loves and controls history, but it has a history of itself which suffers from it from and which it does not control. The meaning of history and the dialectic together is not the realization of reason, freedom, or man as species, but nihilism, nothing but nihilism. Sterner is the dialectician who reveals nihilism as the truth of the dialectic, which that quote is famous now. In my mind, perhaps, the ego turns everything but itself into nothingness, and this nothingness is precisely its own nothing. It sounds like how Simondon defines anxiety, but it's not a nothingness of the ego, right? It's or the the one or the unique, <laughs> right? It's that the fact that the unique is always plugged into a pre-individual milieu from which it draws charges of potentiality and information. So, you know, it's kind of like Obama saying to Scherner, like he didn't build those roads or whatever the fuck, you know, like it's, it's some, I think this attack that he lacks a method that would correspond to the question, you know, you have to take that seriously. You have to say then that Deleuze is saying, well, gosh, what would the method be? And if Deleuze doesn't satisfy that criterion, that he could provide a method for Sterner, then he proved himself to be just kind of name dropping here. So I think we have to take him as like, there has to be a challenge there to Deleuze to like, I don't know what you call it, the unique Deleuze, whatever the fuck, right? The, that was good, the, the previous page. The ugliest of men have killed God because he could no longer bear his pity is still exposed to the pity of men. That's a fun quote. You should also be a proprietor. What do you think about that? I think in the sense of like taking ownership of your experience, of your experience. So yeah, we have this, to dig into it. This question of the, the proprietor, I feel is interesting because it, it has to do with the, the reminds me the of the, it's the ownness concept. It's also and like the, taking things and making them yours, but it's, the language, um, I don't know. It's the true and false claimants. Trying to explain how you make things your property for Sterner is is hard. It's difficult for me, I think. But I don't know. If nothing else, it is kind of cool that he touches on so many like similar things that down the road, you know, or people are preoccupied with out of the thinkers that I you know, I tend to find interesting, you know, among Derrida, Deleuze, etc. At least they're mentioning him in, in their books. That says something, right? You know, what's interesting is this movement is both susceptible to sort of breaking away from ingrained indoctrinations. And at the same time, it insinuates itself into like cult-like thinkings. I say that about every assemblage, right? I mean, Deleuze and Watcher, you do too. You asked about the our favorite song recently, and it's the I sh- I shared the the Far Cry Five theme song with you, <laughs> and and it was about the the sort of interplay of the I mean it's it's kind of like their their warning. It's like you can't just choose the the molecular over the molar or smoothing over striating or becoming or being right or like the body with organs over the body like there's always this event that's between time it's the tween time it's the meantime it's negotiating between these different temporalities of the actual and the virtual and and so I think with, with Sterner you have this sort of absolute individualism and it both is this it's this membrane that's selectively rejecting out in a way that sustains itself only through this other energy of injecting into something else, another closed group, the, the, those in the know that like the government's screwing them of all their shit. And it's only a question of like, how does that like spread? I didn't even think about the uh, union of egoists concept, which is pretty, I mean, at least broadly, that's like an assemblage sort of idea relatively. 
I mean, it's kind of like the Church of Satan. You know, like, hey, we don't worship Satan. That's like rule number one. Rule number two is we don't wait, worship wait, Satan. Wait. Like, Satan's not like an individual entity. Hey, let me blow your mind. <laughs> hey, you Christians out there, I've lost all of you. So here's <laughs> the here's to like the rational people that here's what we believe, and then they put out their ethics, and it's like there's something performatively. There's something artistically, conceptually, functionally, like brilliant about all that because it's the statement of values that if you were to refer to any Church of Satan, they've already trademarked that shit like ideologically and like they put that in the sphere that you can like footnote it. That's what the Church of Satan says. The values actually are. Although, I mean, I know that's not that's rational thinking and we're far from equilibrium here today, but yeah. So the union of egoists, um, which is paradoxical and sound, but it sounds pretty cool. I mean, I haven't seen a very good source yet for the see, Well, you got a Wikipedia page. So Verein von Egoisten. Intercourse. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a stir establishes that reciprocity and what he calls intercourse are important elements of the union of ego. So union has a sexual connotation. I'm not surprised. I just started talking about Christ. Trying to get the, yeah, oh, spirit. Uh, he's totally. I assume he does talk about Christ. You have to teach him. Going down about, like Christianity and liberals are in his crosshairs. Huh? Completely. Uh, you said crosshairs. That's funny. That's good. He says you have bats in your belfry, and it's those ideas right. have manifested themselves. Right. You know what's cool about... And you're certain, ruled by them. You're letting something that from outside you constitute who you are, and you need to sort of come to terms with your own experience of being or becoming. Well, that's how you have, you have to do it that way. I mean, um, you know, and it's is, almost in the sort of like master's slave or like the yeah, slave morality type that like there, that's where the kind of Nietzschean overlap is, is sort of that same, I think maybe ethical approach. Yeah, I would say ethical approach. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's this question of like how, you need to come to terms that, that with the fact that you are this being that is experiencing the these unique like you are uniquely experiencing these things in the sense of your phenomenology right I, at the I, very least it's interesting right because i want to see this as a kind of invagination of solipsism <laughs> sort of, it's sort of like an externalization of it and and i find that intriguing and of course there has to be this moment in the dialectic it, honestly where I would go with you would be playing off like Sterner and Levinas. In, it's funny in that you mentioned that. Totality and Infinity. It's quite this, funny that you mentioned that. Just like, because, yeah, the Levinas, the, the way that Levinas starts Totality and Infinity is, uh, is this question. He actually you know, he adopts this language. So I'm, I'm talking to the guy that wrote this book, Jacob Blum, Blumenfeld this weekend about this book so this will be a fun it's a fun read okay so i'll start with saying the reason why levinas is anarchic is because he is undermining the ground of being that is his fundamental project you can't even call it a project but like it's and it's not fundamental because or it's fundamental in that he's trying to say ethics is before being ethics precedes being and ethics is fundamental so that's why the other is first and not the i because the i seems in contradistinction to be a product of corpuscular ontology where we would say that that the unique i mean this is where language fails us right but like the unique would be a would be a saying and it would not you know exhaust the said so there would be this there would be this Levinas and Sterner like struggle over the language of pronouns, oddly, right? Right. It would be pronouns and prepositions. That's all it would be. And 
Skirnarians and Levinasians could like mix their different investigations together and their different paragraphs and whatever, and they could sort of make a little, probably a very cool little mixture, but that's what it'd be, right? It'd be like an alchemical substance that we could get high off of. Where, and, and that's not what I think, you know, philosophers set out to do. It's what sometimes they can get concretized as, as like surpassing or explicating or whatever. And it's, it's more about this, like, does this speak to you at the current moment and how you reveal your own existence to yourself and your own singularity and how you're living? You know, it's, if it doesn't do that, then it's, then maybe it's something that even if you're not consciously aware of it, it affects your existence, and causes you to, to think differently and to act differently and to feel differently and to be differently to participate differently. So on that note, Coop, I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to let you go at this point. Okay, buddy. Right on. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to eat some spaghetti. Okay. Just keep, hell yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. And like, um, eat you, keep, my friend. Yeah. Keep me in the loop and we'll, hell yeah. we'll, we'll talk again soon. Okay, buddy. Fucking A. All right, man. Good <laughs> talk to you, man. Hey, hey, hey Wakanda forever, man. <laughs> oh my god i i'm gonna let you go here that's that's enough all right buddy. bye <laughs>